Canada has expelled a diplomat from India after claiming the Indian government was involved in the murder of a Sikh activist. A new report alleges the RCMP doubted the Canadian anti-hate network's claims about the Freedom Convoy. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says progressives are having trouble connecting with people's struggles. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, September 19th, and this is True North's Daily Brief. I'm Cosmin Georgia. And I'm Noah Jarvis. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Canada has expelled a senior Indian diplomat hours after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau accused the Indian government of being involved in the murder of Hardeep Singh Nijar. Nijar, a Canadian citizen and prominent figure in Canada's Sikh community, was shot dead outside of a Sikh temple in Surrey, British Columbia on June 18th. His murder raised tensions between Indian communities in Canada and between Canada and India itself. Trudeau spoke in the House of Commons on Monday. Over the past number of weeks, Canadian security agencies have been actively pursuing credible allegations of a potential link between agents of the government of India and the killing of a Canadian citizen, Hardeep Singh Nijar. Canada is a rule of law country. The protection of our citizens and defence of our sovereignty are fundamental. Our top priorities have therefore been, one, that our law enforcement and security agencies ensure the continued safety of all Canadians, and two, that all steps be taken to hold perpetrators of this murder to account. Canada has declared its deep concerns to the top intelligence and security officials of the Indian government. Last week at the G20, I brought them personally and directly to Prime Minister Modi in no uncertain terms. Any involvement of a foreign government in the killing of a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil is an unacceptable violation of our sovereignty. It is contrary to the fundamental rules by which free, open and democratic societies conduct themselves. As you would expect, we've been working closely and coordinating with our allies on this very serious matter. In the strongest possible terms, I continue to urge the Government of India to cooperate with Canada to get to the bottom of this matter. I also expect it to reiterate that its position on extrajudicial operations in another country is clearly and unequivocally in line with international law. I know many Canadians, particularly members of the Indo-Canadian community, are feeling angry or perhaps frightened right now. Let us not allow this to change us. Let us remain calm and steadfast in our commitment to our democratic principles and our adherence to the rule of law. This is who we are and what we do as Canadians. Shortly after Trudeau's remarks, Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie said Canada had expelled a senior Indian diplomat in response. 
We've been clear we will not tolerate any form of foreign interference. Since this was brought to our attention, we've been guided by three principles. The first one, we will seek the truth. The second one, we will protect Canadians at all times. And thirdly, we will protect Canada's sovereignty. I have conveyed these principles to my Indian counterpart, and I've also told him that we expect India's full collaboration to make sure that we get to the bottom of this. And as of today, and as a consequence, we've expelled a top Indian diplomat from Canada. On Tuesday evening, the Indian government responded and rejected the allegations made by Canada. In a statement, the Ministry of External Affairs wrote, We have seen and reject the statement of the Canadian Prime Minister in their parliament, as also the statement by their foreign minister. Allegations that the government of India was involved in any act of violence in Canada are absurd and motivated. We urge the government of Canada to take prompt and effective legal action against all anti-India elements operating from their soil. So, Noah, this might be the biggest uh, foreign relations story of this year, honestly. Uh, besides the China stuff, this is a huge allegation made by the government of Canada. And as pointed out by True North's Rupa Supramanya, the world is watching Trudeau and how this government is going to respond and potentially back up these allegations. Now, we know that there is some intelligence that the Prime Minister has received from the intelligence community, uh, potentially backing up uh, this claim and this very serious move to eject a Indian diplomat from the country. So, Noah, do you think more information will come out these next few days and Canadians will get a better picture of what exactly is going on here? Yeah, this certainly seems like a major escalation in the deteriorating relations between Canada and India. For good reason, it seems as if Justin Trudeau went over to India and was very unhappy with Nyandra Modi and his government and their extrajudicial assassination or alleged uh, extrajudicial assassination of a Canadian on Canadian soil. Look, this is a Canadian who was murdered by a foreign government on Canadian soil, and this person must be protected, even if they may or may not have done what the Indian government has accused uh, them of uh, doing. But nonetheless, this is still a Canadian that was murdered uh, by a foreign government, which is supposed to be the largest democracy in the world. So it is it will definitely be interesting to see how Canadian rela Indian relations progress moving forward and also to see if Canada has the support of the inter international community like the United States and many of our European allies in achieving justice for, uh, for the man who was murdered. To point out that this allegation comes I think less than a week or about a week after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and other world leaders were in India for the G20 summit. Now, there was a lot of talk in the media and online that that summit didn't go exactly too well for Trudeau as his, you know, role in the foreign community and the world community is declining throughout his term. Now, specifically with India, Canada hasn't always had a great relationship with India and in particular this government has had some difficult dealings with the Indian government, you know. 
One of the most embarrassing foreign trips for Trudeau was that trip to India earlier on in his prior term. So, Noah, is there any way that this relationship can be amended? Is there any rebound here for Canadian-Indian relations? Honestly, I believe a series of best-case scenario uh, situations would have to play out. I think there would have to be a change of government, at least in Canada. But then also, I think that an investigation would have to yield that, yeah, Canada was right about uh, India's assassinating a Canadian, uh, and that India would have to take blame for the matter, and they would have to apologize and take corrective action into making sure that this doesn't happen again. But if, say, the allegations are revealed to be false or the Indian government continues to vociferously deny the allegations, then I think we could see an escalation in the hostilities between Canada and India. A new report challenges the narrative perpetuated by the legacy media and federal politicians concerning the government's decision to invoke the Emergencies Act to clamp down on the Freedom Convoy protesters last year. The report authored by Karim Assad and independent journalist Alisa Hattigan cites nearly a thousand pages of internal RCMP files. The files suggest the federal government and law enforcement relied on spurious claims made by left-wing activist organization the Canadian Anti-Hate Network to justify a crackdown. Much of the report concerns convoy participant and veteran Jeremy McKenzie and Diagalon, a controversial online Much of the report concerns convoy participant and veteran Jeremy McKenzie and Diagalon, a controversial online community that he founded. According to RCMP files, there was little agreement in the federal police force when it came to some of the claims about Diagalon made by the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, which were further perpetuated by the legacy media. One RCMP document concluded that Diagalon does not pose a criminal or national security threat. The RCMP's Diagalon profile from 2022 also expressed doubt about the accuracy of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network's claims about the movement. The Canadian Anti-Hate Network did not respond to a request for comment sent by True North. In a statement provided to True North, Mackenzie said that he felt vindicated by the internal findings, but that there continues to be a refusal to acknowledge the government's errors. So, Cosman, from this reporting, it seems like it is clear that the legacy media and the government misled Canadians about the nature of the convoy and the reason for their invocation of the emergency attack. Uh, Why don't you think that the legacy media is talking about this report? Well, I think the main reason is that they would have to admit they were wrong on so many different levels. I mean, so many things turned out to be a hoax with the Freedom Convoy. We know, you know, claims that convoy protesters were attempting to burn down apartment buildings with people trapped inside was totally false but this was perpetuated as some legitimate story so time and time again we see some of these outrageous claims that the media made i I don't know if you recall for example the cbc said that russians were behind the freedom convoy when it turned out that largely the movement was funded by just disgruntled canadians upset with the trudeau government for perpetuating uh, nonsensical vaccine mandates and travel restrictions so going back to the beginning i just think they don't want to admit they were wrong they want to keep this message up and they want to keep justifying the Trudeau government's actions in invoking the Emergencies Act to crack down on peaceful protesters because saying otherwise 
would totally dismantle you know the narrative perpetuated by the government that this movement was a, a threat to Canada. You're absolutely right, Cosman. And it seems like day by day, month by month, year by year, there is more and more information that comes out that further disproves uh, the legacy media and the government's narrative about the Freedom Convoy and further vindicates the convoy, even though, say, uh, J Justice Paul Rouleau uh, believes that the convoy was illegal and that the government was justified in invoking it. Uh, and it also is a common uh, occurrence that the media and the government, they label any remotely center-right group as far-right extremists who are extremely hateful, white supremacists, and are the absolute, you know, bottom of the earth uh, type of people, where in fact, you know, these are just conservative Canadians, everyday Canadians, who are just fighting for their freedoms, fighting for whatever cause that they support. It is a shame that, you know, the Canadian Anti-Hate Network is so quick to label these people as far-right extremists, and that the media is so quickly to bandwagon off of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network's uh, false reporting. Right. And one thing I, I do want to point out that isn't spoken about nearly enough is that this is exactly the same model as some of the activist groups in the United States. This isn't a, a grassroots Canadian thing. This didn't suddenly come about in Canada. Uh, the Canadian Anti-Hate Network actually has a connection uh, from its origin to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, in the United States, which uses the exact same tactics. So, you know, the left is always talking about, oh, the conservative movement in Canada is going to become, is becoming Americanized. They're, they're becoming like Trump. They're importing American tactics. But here we have a Canadian group that engages in radical activism that has ties to the United States. So often, the leftists, they're often projecting their own errors and slights onto conservatives when conservatives say, we've had enough and it's time to push back. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said that progressive parties need to address people's day-to-day -day concerns instead of simply offering rhetoric while speaking at the Global Progress Action Summit in Montreal on Saturday. The summit was a gathering of prominent left-wing politicians, both former and present. While addressing a panel that included Norwegian Prime Minister Jonas Gar Stor, former Finnish Prime Minister Sanna Marin, and former New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, Trudeau said, quote, If we're not responding to where people are in their daily life, then we're not going to be connecting with them. Trudeau said their best option for a future goal is, quote, getting people to be optimistic about the future, but also comforted in their present challenges, while promoting the necessity to fight climate change and have an inclusive economy. The Prime Minister also took a moment to acknowledge that conservative politicians appear to, quote, reflect back and amplify the very real anger and frustration and anxiety that people have and people feel like they're being seen and heard. Trudeau warned the panel that if they do not propose solutions, then voters will look for those who are shouting the loudest and most outraged alongside them. The summit comes at a time when the Prime Minister is doing quite poorly in the polls, especially in relation to Conservative Party leader Pierre Polyev. So one thing I thought that was kind of funny reading this is that, you know, Trudeau says that 
progressive politicians need to offer something else instead of rhetoric. Meanwhile, here he is speaking at a summit, offering exactly that, just pure rhetoric. So I'm not sure how seriously to take this. I doubt Trudeau has had some sudden moment of illumination and he's seeing his own faults and his own government's alienation of most Canadian hardworking people. So what do you make of this? How serious should we take this, Noah? I think a little bit of reality is sort of hitting Justin Trudeau, whereas, you know, these past couple of years, he's been well, quite focused on rhetoric and, you know, passing these sort of pet project policies like the regulation of the Internet and whatnot. Uh, and he has not been focused on the tangible issues that Canadians are dealing with, whether that be his government's perpetuation of inflation or of the rising prices of homes in Canada. Yeah, it does seem like the left in general has a problem with, you know, or with focusing on rhetoric rather than concrete action. But the problem is that Justin Trudeau is one of the number one politicians in the world when it comes to, you know, relying on rhetoric and a lack of action. We see this with his lack of action when it comes to the Chinese foreign interference inquiry and his government's just delay tactics uh, when it comes to addressing that issue or his government's lack of action when it comes to addressing the housing crisis and their failure to do anything when it came to addressing inflation. So, uh, yes, it does seem as if Justin Trudeau uh, should be taking some of his own advice here, despite the fact that, you know, he has some nice words at this conference. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, The Andrew Lawton Show will be live at 1 p.m. Eastern Time today. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news.